0: Can't say enough about this team—the resiliency, the
1: mental toughness, Super Bowl chance. This will never, ever get old. Give it up for those players right there, getting it done. Woo! First of all, there was a little bit of Howard Dean.
2: We're going to Washington D.C. to take back the White House. Yeah! That, and Rick Flair that, with that the that woo. yeah, yeah. It was, woo!
1: Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a Howard Dean version of the Rick Flair woo. That was Sean McVay from the parade in Los Angeles, the Wednesday after the Super Bowl. And then came the conversation, the speculation, the what once because it was it was pointing towards Sean McVay staying put. But he had incredible leverage. Incredible leverage. Incredible. You've got networks who are interested in you sight unseen. There's no guarantee the guy's going to be any good in TV. They were clamoring. For Sean McVay, wouldn't that have been something? If somebody had paid him $20 million a year to go to TV and they realize after the first week, oh, God, he sucks. I'm not saying he would, but you don't know. You don't. We just assume he's going to be good. There's no way of knowing, and it's not like he's going to have a screen test or an audition for that kind of money. He just shows up, and they hope he can do the job. But uh, he had the leverage because the interest from networks puts – Stan Kroenke, the Rams owner in a tough spot. And then once the Troy Aikman news happened last week with him jumping, not from Fox to Amazon, but from Fox to ESPN, that created an urgency for Amazon to find someone else as well as Fox. They both have a hole to fill now for their broadcasting of games. And against that backdrop, and Andrew Marchand of the New York Post, who's been all over this broadcasting musical chairs, right. he said McVeigh and Amazon were getting ready to meet this week. Well, how do you keep that meeting from happening? If you're staying Cronky you go to Sean McVeigh and you give him a gigantic raise. And it was, it was so strange how it happened, Chris, because this was late Friday, I believe. Thursday or Friday. I think it was Friday. The rumors are starting to get out that McVeigh said no to Amazon – and Stan Kroenke's given him a huge raise. Yes, right. So people start chasing it. And McVeigh goes on the record with Shefty, and all he says is, I'm not pursuing any TV opportunities, and I'm committed to the Rams in 2022. Well, there's a lot more to the story than that. That is the absolute either headline or bottom line. But there's a lot in between. Like, did you have offers? What were they? Do you have a new contract now? How much is it? There's, there's a lot of questions to be asked in the aftermath of this. And I'm pretty damn sure... That McVeigh got a commitment, and it may not be done, it may not be signed, yeah, right. but he got a commitment from Stan Kroenke about how much he's going to make going forward before he said no thank you to Amazon. Because why would you give up your leverage, your main leverage, to get the owner of your team to give you more money?
2: Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I got to think that there's something in the works or it already happened, and we'll just find out at some point. You're right, the leverage is like amazing. First off, I mean, he's a star. He's a star among stars as far as head coaches are concerned. He is. Yes, you finally have a team in L.A. that's starting to put down some footprints there to go, wait, we control the city. Let's start building a culture of Rams fans here. So you got that going. Yeah, you got Amazon pursuing Sean McVay. And like, yeah, you're right. I don't know if it will be any good. But damn, Sean McVay is like one of the best talkers and charismatic people I've ever been around. And one of the reasons is is his ability to be in front of the room and, and coach the team and say all these things and really you know get his message to resonate to the, to the players on the field. So I'd have a hard time. And he's the kind of guy that I think would work at announcing. So he's going to work at it and, and not just go like, hey, I'm just going to show up. I do think he'll do the right things there. So his leverage was phenomenal, to your point. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, from all things that I know, he's been been underpaid as far as where coaches are. So it's like the, the quintuple whammy there when you start to break down McVay and the leverage over the Rams. It couldn't be hotter, and I got to think that with the money being thrown around like you've talked about, 18 million, $20 million a year, and the status of the Rams and what they are as an organization, I got to think that Sean McVay's new contract is going to be up there in that stratosphere, 100%. Somewhere between 17 million, $20 million. I'd be shocked if it wasn't somewhere in that range. The owners
1: have got to be pissed at the networks for throwing yeah, this kind of money around. they are got to be all pissed at CBS.
2: CBS. <laughs> They're all pissed at CBS paying Tony well, Romo. They all are. That's
1: that's what started it. Yeah. That's what started it. Right. And, and, and you could say CBS screwed up everything by paying Romo that much money. Yeah. But ESPN paying Aikman as much or more. Amazon ready to throw a gigantic stack of cash at somebody. Fox getting... And I don't know how much Fox is going to pay, but... That, that the market becomes what it is. But this is what I was talking about earlier with Aaron Rodgers. That's why he deserves 50. If people talking about the game are getting between 20 and 30 million a year.
2: Yeah, seriously.
1: Yeah, the people, the best people playing the game <laughs> yeah, right. should be getting a hell of a lot more than that.
2: Yeah, I agreed with you there. There's that definitely doesn't seem right, you know, as, as far as that's concerned. Uh, and again, hey, football, we're going to watch no matter what. Does a really good announcer change the game? Yes, they do. I mean, there's no doubt. I, I love listening to Chris or Troy or Tony and hearing their little nuggets and things they're gonna say. They certainly do. They add, I think, a little bit of a a a big element feel to the football game. And I think that's probably what the networks realize. You know, again, you and I can speak. We grew up in the, in our early years and everything. You know, Madden and Summerall. I didn't even need to see who was playing. You know, if I just heard their voice, I went, "Oh, a big game's on." And I think that's what these networks are looking for, too, to make it special that way. But, uh, yeah, it, it, the market has definitely exploded there, and CBS changed it, certainly. And uh, it's it's going to put some pressure with these top-end coaches and these organizations now in the NFL. Well, and I, I could see at some point the
1: – because the, the current broadcasting deals, they were hyped as lasting into the next decade. but But there's an out after, like, six or seven years – These deals are going to make the owners more likely to pull the plug and say, give us a hell of a lot more. If you can pay these people this much money, you can pay us a lot more money because they're tuning in for our product. Yes, it's nice to have competent broadcasters enhance the experience, but nobody's tuning in and nobody's tuning out because of who's calling the game. Maybe they'll turn it down. Maybe they'll turn on the local radio coverage. Maybe, you know, whatever. But people are tuning in to see the game. They're not tuning in. I think John Madden would have been the only person that you would make Destination TV, but he's always assigned to a great game, so you, you never even get— that would be the ultimate test. That would be the, like, like the old-fashioned the old taste test, like, wait, is it Coke or is it Pepsi? You, you, do, you do a great game with a bad announcer and, an, and a, a crap game with a great announcer and see what the ratings are. Not that they would ever do that, but wouldn't that be great to see? That would be the ultimate test because I don't think people are tuning in because of who's calling the game.
2: They're They're tuning in because of the game. No, I agree. They are tuning in because of the game. But great announcers can make a great game even greater. Or even a game that's, I think, below average or average, they can make it better, too. Because they can continue. The great announcers, I think, can continue to bring up angles and things for the viewer to think about and digest football-wise where they go, damn, I didn't think of that or that's smart. And that, and that to me, increases the game. That's where I will say. But, man, shockwaves through the NFL. I mean, damn, you hear John Lynch and the 49ers, and he might be leaving. Whoa, it's a GM of the football team. It's McVay, all that, Sean Payton. Yes, this has become a new – I mean, it's like uh, there's more than 32 teams in the league now. There's 36 teams pursuing head coaches when you break down these – you know, the four networks that go along with it.
1: John Lynch reportedly talked to Amazon and declined. Fox reportedly considering – John Lynch for the number one broadcast vacancy created by Troy Aikman. There's a lot of different names that have come up for that Fox gig and for Amazon. I mean, even Tom Brady is reportedly going to get a phone call. I don't know what he'll say when the phone rings, but that would go a long way toward making a decision about whether or not he's going to play this year if he accepts 20 million plus per year. And, and what a way to stay in the public eye and have a great platform every week. You're not as all-in as you are playing football. You're still around your family. You've got the, the your summers off. You've got seven months off. And, yeah, you're going to have to do some stuff in between, but not like you do when you're getting ready for a football season. There's a lot of, of reasons why Brady should consider it. I just don't think it's ever any, anything he's envisioned doing. But, but if they're going to be throwing that kind of money at him, maybe you should.
2: Yeah, I think the – you know, the money is big time. Do you want to take the time? You know, again, Brady, a guy that's talking about, uh, hey, more family time and, and those those type of things, enjoying life a little bit. You know, again, announcing games, it's, it's certainly not grinding to coach capability or something like that. But, you know, announcing games, I mean, yeah, you're, you're going to be gone for a three-day weekend. If you're a guy that's wanting to hang around with your kids and do that, that's where, you know, I don't know if I see a Tom Brady doing it. And I think the other aspect is, like you brought it up, I think, before the break with Brady, he just, he's a rolling money train now. I, to me, I, I feel like if he just went, hey, I'm going to go sit in the corner for the year, somebody pay me $20 million, I'm just going to sit in the corner. Pe- companies would be like, okay, can we film you just sitting in the corner? Okay, we'll pay you $20 million. He can do whatever he wants and make $20 million, I feel like. He's, he was, to me, too big for that position. He's, he's, he's gone past that and in, into another stratosphere. Well, and that's the other thing that occurred
1: to me this week. There was talk that Amazon wanted to try to get the Manning cast away from ESPN. Peyton and Eli recently extended their stay by a year, so they're under contract for three more seasons through 2024. Why not get Brady to do a Brady cast? Why not do that? And and he could get 20 million for that and he wouldn't have to go anywhere and he'd just be shooting the breeze like the Mannings do on Thursday night. So Monday night <laughs> it would be the Mannings, Thursday night it would be Tom Brady, right? Uh. Tom Brady and whoever, Tom Brady and Jim Gray, Tom Brady and Charles Barkley.
2: It'd be like the Brady-Manning rivalry all over again. Who turns in to watch more? Brady or Manning fans, right? They should go head-to-head on Monday Night Football. You know, ESPN, you got enough channels. You put Brady on ESPN News, Manning on ESPN2. Let's see who gets more ratings. Just put all three channels on network. Aikman on ESPN, Brady on ESPN News, Manning on ESPN2. Let's see who the hell tunes into who.
1: Here's the big thing to remember, though. No matter how crazy the money gets, you work for a three-letter broadcast network, there's going to be a stratosphere of people hearing what you say and seeing you in flashes. You know how it goes during a three-hour game. You you see the, the broadcasters on camera maybe two or three times, but you constantly hear them. ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox. Games on those networks are going to generate a higher audience because there are still millions of people out there who get their TV signals through free over-the-air sp- stuff—the stuff that's floating around that lands in your TV, like <laughs> in the old Come days. Come on, right? what is it called? Right. Stuff. What's it called? Stuff. <laughs> that's the that signal. free the in signal. the air stuff. Free, right? right. It's free signal. <laughs> All, some some of the many waves that are constantly bombarding our body. You know, I was somewhere recently, and I pulled up my computer, and it was like fifty. Wi-Fi networks Like, do, do they know that it's safe for all this stuff to be enveloping
2: us we don't know we anything don't we're know, humans we do and then you know realize we screw up later and then try to fix it we don't know but I uh, don't know anything. but Amazon <laughs> we don't know
1: how many people are going to tune in to watch these games streaming only they'll be broadcast in the networks or in the excuse me in the markets where the teams are playing. If it's Steelers-Browns, it'll be on the local whatever affiliate in Pittsburgh, and there'll be an affiliate in Cleveland. But for everyone else, the only way you're going to see that game is if you have an Amazon Prime membership and you choose to activate it and watch the game. So the numbers, at least in the early years, are going to be ridiculously smaller, possibly to the point where they don't even announce what the numbers are. That's how small they will be. I remember there was a Yahoo-only Jaguars Ravens game in London one year and they never announced the audience size of that game never never they they delayed it until people stopped asking how many people watched it so if you're taking the Amazon gig there's a chance you're playing to a much smaller room than if you yeah. go to one of these other networks. And that's a factor that has to be taken into account
2: too. No, yeah, no doubt about it. You're right. It does. All right. So like, you know, crystal ball, because this is one I, I am intrigued by this whole Amazon angle and where, you know, these announcers, you know, fall Aikman going to ESPN was yeah. a Shocker. I didn't think that was going to happen. I really didn't. I heard the rumors out there. I still didn't think it was going to happen. You know, what, what's the crystal ball? Who do you think is going to be at, at Amazon? Who's going to be the guy there? Oh, after last week, I got no idea. I, I know. And Bob Raceman of the New York Daily
1: News is, is pushing for the big effort at Amazon.
2: Oh, well, a big effort would love that. I could tell you that much. He'd love to go back in the booth and start announcing games, certainly. I mean, he likes what he's doing now, but, I mean, if they're going to pay the big effort $18 million a year or something like that, I can promise you he'll sign the contract today. He'll do it today and then it'll be done. And I'll I'll damn I'll come and be a sidekick or something. Damn it for all that money. Thanks. You would abandon me quickly. <laughs>
1: yep. Uh, but and and look, we we still don't know that it's Al Michaels at Amazon. He's yet to do that deal. He could he could still go to ESPN with Troy Aikman because Aikman was reportedly the top choice for Michaels at Amazon. So there's all sorts of names in the mix and I have no idea. And after Aikman jumped to ESPN, I'm not even going to try to guess what people are going to do. I'm just going to sit back with a bag of popcorn and enjoy it.
2: Yeah, sound, I know you're right. I have no idea either, and it doesn't seem like there's any real rumor or anything tangible to, to kind of get onto. Sean Payton, I feel like that's died out. I don't know where that goes. Oh, oh, you know? oh! oh no, sources
1: sources close to me tell me that he's meeting with Amazon this week.
2: Okay, damn. So. All right, so he's he's all right, He might be striking up a twenty million dollar check. I know it'd be it'd be interesting to see, but certainly a a time or, or, or where things are changing in that industry and it's affecting the NFL directly, which is very interesting to see as well.
1: Hey, after Peyton resigned and the sense emerged that Jerry Jones would go after him a year or two from now, I said, Jerry, if you want him, you better go now. Because once he gets a taste of the broadcasting money and the broadcasting lifestyle, he may decide, I'm never going back to coach. Never. I, you know, it's easy to say now when you've just finished it for 16 years, you'd like to do it again. You've never experienced life as a broadcaster. Yeah, right. Once you do, you may say, hey, I'm still, I'm, I'm more visible you know, when would they ever see me during a regular season game? It's got to be a big platform game. And then it's just me on the sidelines. They never really hear from me. I have a chance to add a voice to to help narrate football, to help people understand football. I think Peyton will be really good. I think he'd be great in a booth because he can explain things yeah. in a commonsensical and understandable and relatable way. Uh, you know, kind of the way, not to compare him to John Madden, but the way John Madden did keep it plain, keep it simple. You got 15 seconds to make your point and then move on. So, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. If, if, number one, he ends up in broadcasting as an announcer in a booth, and, number two, he decides, I like this uh, at my age, and given the workload, yeah, I'm going to keep doing this instead of going back to coach. All right, let's take a break. We're going to catch you up on some other things that happened while we were off last week. We'll do that when this Monday edition of PFT Live continues right after.
0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What if millions of black Americans had been compensated for slavery? Join me, Tremaine Lee, as I explore the untold story of one of the only Black Americans who ever was. I talk to his descendants and discuss how reparations forever change their family's trajectory and imagine a reality where reparations are paid to the rest of Black America. Into America presents Uncounted Millions, The Power of Reparations, a Black History Month series. New episodes drop Thursdays. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. How have you approached this, and are you in a really good place now with Kyler Murray? Yes, I I spoke to him last night. We've had good conversations, um, you know, nonstop. I'm not a social media guy, so I don't know the nuances of some of this stuff, but I think there was a lot of of interpretation around that that was inconsistent with the conversations that not just I have had, but uh, I know Cliff and Steve have had. And so the positive conversations that are going in the right direction, we know we've got to get better. I mean, you saw that, that Kyler put out a statement, um, you know, love me or hate me I think was his his terms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going to get better. You know, put me in the co- category of I love him and, and I know he's going to get better.
1: That's Michael Bidwell on Arizona Sports 98.7 FM last week talking about this lingering confusion about – the Cardinals, and quarterback Kyler Murray. It started in the aftermath of the Pro Bowl when he scrubbed all references to the Cardinals from his social media accounts. And then came the report on Super Bowl Sunday, citing unnamed sources. Chris Mortensen of ESPN uh, described Murray as self-centered, finger-pointing, and immature. And that created some blowback and discussion about where this is all coming from, how this is happening. And, you know, Chris, I haven't written this yet, but after talking to a bunch of different people over the last now two or three weeks, three weeks since Murray did what he did, two weeks since we heard what Mort had to report. I think what happened here, and this applies both to Cliff Kingsbury and to Kyler Murray, both are on the verge of negotiating new contracts. I think that the stuff we heard about Kingsbury and Michael Bidwell being upset. Remember that? It it kind of flashed after the season ended, and we thought maybe Kingsbury was in trouble. You take that, and you take the Murray comments. I think the Cardinals are just trying to apply a little public leverage to these guys, and it blew up in their faces a little bit. They're trying to squeeze these guys to not want so much damn money. And uh, here's why you should consider not wanting so much money. There are concerns about where you are, what you've been, and what you're going to be. And maybe they went a little too far in trying to get their message out there to try to to decrease the expectations financially of Eric Burkhardt, who represents both guys.
2: Yeah, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that. Again, I mean, I don't know that, but you're right. I mean, that's some of the, the political aspects that can go on in the NFL. Uh, I don't think that's a crazy thought you're having at all, really. I, in fact, when you said it and you started to explain it, I went to go, uh... Oh. You might be right, Mike. They might. You might be onto something there. Yeah, lower lower their expectations. Cliff Kingsbury. Oh wait, they're thinking about firing me. Okay, yeah, I'll take that contract that was you know two million dollars less a year. Fine. Okay. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's what goes on. You know, maybe they were you know, trying to scare Kyler Murray away from. You know the table or asking for too much money at this point either way they're in a no-win situation I know with Kyler Murray at least that's the way it looks with me hey Cliff Kingsbury we'll see where that goes I mean again and I still they got some things going in the right direction there in Arizona Kingsbury's been good yes we want to see his offense grow and expand and have more answers that's why it's kind of falling apart towards the end of those the last few years but Murray I mean again you know, we've talked about it. You know, yeah, he's not everybody's cup of tea, but he's super talented. He's super exciting. There's not many people like him in football. And you've built the team to play a style of football that fits him. And to, that's to me where he has all leverage, and I just think it's a matter of time before they do right by him.
1: And we'll see. Do they get it worked out before the start of year four? Does the can get kicked into 2023? What happens with Kingsbury? But I think that Kingsbury and Murray are are tied together through that shared agent they are tied together and I think there are going to be efforts to try to get their futures secured the question is how much is it going to take to make it happen in Kansas City what happened over the course of the past week number one Eric Bieniemy returning as offensive coordinator even though his contract expired and there was a weird sense for a little while there that maybe he would not return at all he will be joined by former Chiefs offensive coordinator Matt Nagy as a senior assistant and quarterbacks coach, replacing Mike Kafka, who has since moved on to be an offensive coordinator, it's going to be Nagy back in the building. The still in the building. I know plenty of Bears fans are laughing at Nagy landing in Kansas City, but
2: his work in Kansas City is what got him the opportunity to be a head coach in the first place. Right. I mean, I, I, I always thought that was a possibility. I mean, what's there to laugh at? So what? I mean – yeah, he's going back to a place or in a, in, a, in a building that he's familiar with, coaches he's familiar with, and he's going to try to rebuild his coaching approach to hopefully that he's going to get a, a head coaching job once again. And, oh, okay, that's cool. And then, I mean, Matt Nagy, again, he wasn't my favorite head coach. I didn't love the offense there in Chicago, but there's still a lot to respect about him. I know that, certainly. I don't know, Mike, with the enemy the thing, there was a part of me that was hoping to see him go to another football team and be an offensive coordinator there. I think that's part of the problem of why he hasn't been hired because people still look at it and go, well, it's Andy Reid and all that. You know, I, I do think that I look at it at least on the outside and, in and go, I wish he could have gone somewhere and kind of made a name for himself a little bit and just get out un- underneath the shadow of Andy Reid to a degree. Maybe that helped him out. That's what I was kind of hoping for. But either way, he's there and, hey, They got to tweak that offense a little bit. You know, Bienemy and Reed came up with an offense in Kansas City a few years ago that the NFL had never really seen. 20-yard out routes, 30-yard crossing route, 50-yard post over the top. 50-yard post, 30-yard crossing route, another crossing route going 40 yards the other way. Nobody had ever seen that before. But the NFL has caught up to it, so they need to reinvent themselves um, there in Kansas City a little bit. And here's the
1: problem for Bienemy: If the offense is dramatically better this year – some people may say, "Well, it's because Matt Nagy's back, and, uh, and he gets yeah, some of the credit." Exactly right, and, that, and that's unfortunate because it's going to make it harder for BNME to get a head coaching job next year. I, I still, I, I still don't get it, and I, I you know, the people I talk to insist, "Oh, it's not this bad interview thing. That's baloney. It's good interviews." the The best, the best explanation I got at any point since the end of the twenty twenty one regular season was that when you take a guy who's never been a head coach before. At the NFL level, you're taking that that leap of faith that he's going to be able to thrive at the next level, and teams haven't obviously been ready to take that leap of faith. Well, why have they done it with others and not that's, him? That's it just the problem. Very difficult. Yeah, that's where it doesn't look understand.
2: Right. right? Yeah, I'm with you. Where it do, where you and I don't like it is it, it seems like teams are willing to take a leap of faith with the white assistant coach, but they're not as much with the black assistant coach. I mean, let's just be real. That that's really what it looks like at times. Again, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but that's just purely the facts of the matter of how it looks. You know, like we've talked about, like many times leading up to the Super Bowl, all for Kevin O'Connell being the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. I get it. But the optics still look really freaking weird, like really weird. Hasn't called plays in the NFL on the offensive side of the ball, gets a job. Bienemy never worse than the sixth, you know, offense in football the last three years being the offensive coordinator, you know, hasn't even come close to sounds like getting a job yet. That's where it doesn't seem right, and that's what I think bothers both you and I. And here's the wrinkle in Minnesota that I think adds to the intrigue. Biennemi was there for five years under
1: Brad Childress. He was assistant head coach in 2010 under Brad Childress, running backs coach before that. So they know him. Ownership knows him. There are people in the front office who know him, and they still went with the latest flavor of the month from the Sean McVay coaching tree. And, uh, hey, the next cycle will be the first cycle that we enter – Post Brian Flores filing his lawsuit and the lawsuit will still continue. It will still be churning. There will be information now, unless the whole thing gets pushed into arbitration, it will be part of the NFL's landscape. Maybe that will force some of these owners to finally take a leap of faith on a guy who's been sitting there waiting for his opportunity for far too long. Uh, Last one, before we take a break, Daniel Jones, the Giants quarterback says that new coach Brian Dayball is seeking his input in developing the team's playbook. That's that's just good coaching. We, we say it all the time. It's not about the system the coach wants to run. It's about the players he has and the plays they like to do, the plays they think they'll be successful running, and the plays that they don't think they'll be successful running. You do the things they want to do and that they can do well. You don't do the things that they can't do and don't do well.
2: 100%. That's right. I mean, Dayball's smart. And, again, I mean, we, we saw he's the master at this maybe in football with what he did with Josh Allen. I mean, nobody gave Josh Allen a chance coming out of Wyoming. But he continued to do things that Josh Allen did well, and they built on that. And the things he didn't do as well, they slowly got better. So yes, he's gonna talk to you know Daniel Jones. He wants him to feel comfortable with the plan attack. And the biggest thing, and to where I think this is brilliant, and this is what good offensive coaches do in football, they make the quarterback feel like they have ownership of the offense. So then when the team gets in there, and you have your first practice and workouts, the quarterback is gonna know some things already, He's going to know, okay, wait, I've been coached a little bit, so I can coach you guys and do all that. But he's going to believe in the system and the plays that are being put in and everything because he knows he's behind it and he's had the conversations with the coach already. So now not only is the coach selling it to the players, but the quarterback can sell it to the players of, hey, I like these plays, we like these plays, they're good. And that's how, you know, to your point, Mike, is exactly right. That's how successful organizations work.
1: Next big question for the Giants Will they pick up that fifth year option on Daniel Jones? It's going to be hard to reconcile not picking it up with all the things that were said. When Joe Shane was hired as GM, when Dayball was hired as coach, the things John Mara said—it's going to be hard to thread that needle between we really, really like him, we really believe in him, we really want to develop him—we're just not ready to commit to him. Yeah. beyond yeah. the 2022 season.
2: Yeah, you know, you're right. It's it's an interesting you know way they are where they have put themselves in that position. But I will go back to you know something I know I've said, I know you and I have talked about it. John Mara discussed it right after the year. It's it is hard. To know what Daniel Jones truly is. He's been behind the worst offensive, offensive line in football in the NFL the last two or three years. It's the worst. It's not like, ooh, maybe the worst or, you know, there's a handful of teams. It is the worst offensive line in football. So it's really hard. And you're right. We'll see. But I I, I am in the camp of I like Daniel Jones. I still believe in him, but I don't want to give him a fifth-year option yet. I don't. I'm a Giants fan, and I want the Giants to play it cool. And Daniel Jones, I think, is smart enough and mature enough to know the situation and let it all play out. And hopefully he kicks butt, and then we can reward him with a big contract after the year's over.
1: All right, let's take a break. There is an off-field issue still percolating in Dallas and some interesting wrinkles and angles and actions and, more importantly, inactions at play. The Cowboys cheerleaders voyeurism scandal. We'll give you the latest on that when PFT Live continues right after this.
0: Gary, I have to ask you about the cheerleader controversy in the ESPN article. I know there's not a lot you can say because of the non-disclosure agreement, but why did you choose to settle? Well, first of all, the cheerleaders are an iconic, a vital part of what our organization is, the Dallas Cowboys. And so we took these allegations very seriously. We immediately uh, began a look-see, an investigation into uh the situation Uh, i can assure you that had we found that it need be there would have been uh firings or there would have been suspicion Uh, as it turns out uh, in the best interest of uh, our cheerleaders uh, in the best interest of uh, the organization uh, in the best interest of our fans uh, what we decided to do was show the cheerleaders how seriously we took these allegations and we wanted them to know that uh, uh, we were real serious and so the settlement uh, was the way to go
1: that's jerry jones speaking to nbc dfw on Friday night. I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I know how corporate America works. I've handled cases. I practiced law for nearly two decades. You don't give away $2.4 million for something that didn't happen. You don't do an internal investigation that comes to the conclusion that there was no wrongdoing. But you know what? You know what? Even though they're making allegations that can't be substantiated, may be fabricated, let's just go ahead and give them $2.4 million. Let's just do it because we respect them. Even though they're making allegations that we concluded didn't happen, and may have been exaggerated, embellished, or fabricated, we're still going to give them $2.4 million. That makes no sense. That doesn't happen in in a sane, rational world. It does not occur. And it screams out that they did find something that justified the payment. They don't make the payment unless there's a reason to make the payment. And you don't... Regard, we just wanted
2: to be nice to our employees as a reason to make that kind of payment. No, agreed, Mike. I mean, it's just, you know, under the old adage of where there's smoke, there's fire. There's obviously something there. You're right. These are guys, these are owners that we talk about all the time. You know, oligarchs that, yeah, we won't spend money on, you know, putting a chip in the ball, doing anything we... You know, the proper inflation of the football, Sky Judge, whatever. They're worried about that. But now we're going to give off $2.4 million or something that never really happened and everything was great. Of course, that doesn't make sense. Come on. I mean, we know that. We know that. And again, I don't know where it stops. This is part of the NFL oligarchy for sure. What bothers me as an ex-player more than anything is just the fact that, you know, as a player, when you get involved in these things, of course, the NFL is deeply involved in your life right away. They're all over everything. And they you know, the uh, yeah, they might wait a little bit to gather some information, but then they wanna get involved in your life and, and get facts of the you know, the, the the case. And then here it just seems like at times with the owners when it comes to them, it's just like, Oh, that uh, we believe you. So you didn't do anything bad? Okay, fine. We won't even we won't even look into it. We believe you. And that's where I hate it. I mean, again, it's the leadership effort of the NFL gets away with things that you know, the players don't get away with it. It, ju- it it just shouldn't happen that way. The leadership should be held to the same standard.
1: I have three important points I want to make, and we're yeah. running late on time. We have more things we need to do, but let me just say this, and I'll start with the personal conduct policy. There's an obligation to report anything that may constitute a violation of the personal conduct policy, and this behavior alleged to be committed by former Team PR executive Rich Dalrymple, it falls obviously within the personal conduct policy. There's an obligation to report. I've asked the NFL three times in the last week did the Cowboys report, and they have never responded. Usually by the third time, they just say we declined comment. This time, three different emails, no response to the first one, no response to the second one, no response to the third one. Conclude what you will from that. Then there's a commitment to the personal conduct policy that they will investigate. But what have we heard from the NFL? They're not investigating. Just A few weeks after, Roger Goodell said, as to the Washington Commanders, a team can't investigate itself. They don't want to investigate it. They don't want to go down the rabbit hole. They don't want to find out, for example, was Rich Dalmorpore acting alone or was he recording videos of cheerleaders changing clothes in their locker room at someone else's behest? They don't want to find that out. They want it to go away. They got enough pots boiling right now. They don't want to mess with this one. And so far, Chris, inexplicably, it's working because they're getting very little pressure or scrutiny from the outside. They're getting some in Dallas. They're getting some in Dallas. But I'm surprised nationally this isn't a bigger deal. And I'm surprised there aren't more people banging on the door of the league office to answer our questions. Did they report this under the personal conduct policy? Did you investigate it at the time? This was seven years ago. Why wasn't this investigated? Why wasn't it disclosed? Why aren't you disciplining the Cowboys for failing to disclose it? Why aren't you investigating it now to find out exactly what happened? And meanwhile, they've got this non-disclosure agreement. We, we, you saw the question that was posed to Jerry Jones with the, well, I know you can't say much, but you can if you want to. You can waive the NDA if you want to. And by the way, if you look at what he said, it probably did violate the NDA. He probably did say more than he's allowed to say in the explanation that he gave. But if he wanted the truth to come out, if he wanted everybody to know exactly what happened, all he's got to do is waive the NDAs is to everyone, and the people would be allowed to talk about what they experienced, what they witnessed, and what they believe happened to them. And you know, th- th- just like with Washington, they're hiding something here. But unlike Washington, they're not getting the kind of pressure in this case that they are in the other case to come clean with what occurred.
2: Yeah, you're right. Uh, they're not. I mean, the the Washington, I think, is, it, there's so many issues and so many things that... People have stayed on it uh, again. But, yeah, the Cowboys, for, for whatever reason, Jerry Jones, I mean, we know he's a power player in the NFL, certainly. I mean, he's definitely one of the top two or three owners in the league as far as power is concerned. And, I, you know, to your point, Mike, I just – I don't think they want to know. I, I think right now the NFL is still in the corner, you know, a little wobbly and got their guard up because they've, they've taken some blows here over the last month and a half. So, they'd like to just not do anything with this and hope it just goes away. And they're going to hope Jerry and the Jones family can fight their fight in Dallas and that the national media won't jump on and something else will happen that we all jump on and just forget about it. That's what they're hoping. But that's just what it feels like right now. The NFL is just like, damn, we've had too many things go on. We don't want to deal with this right now.
1: And it's the Cowboys for crying out loud. It's the Dallas freaking Cowboys where is the media where are the people who should be banging the door down and I don't know when we're going to hear from the commissioner next probably late March but how how in the world has this managed to go so underreported and under scrutinized over the course of the last two weeks I don't know hopefully it will be hopefully we'll get to the bottom of it because there are questions that need to be answered we need to take a break when we return the Combine already is technically beginning. Chris will be there tomorrow. We'll have a lot of different interviews. People will be speaking to reporters at press conferences. Who do you want to hear from most at this year's Combine? We'll do that draft next on this Monday edition of the The Patriots, to no surprise, the only team with no coach or executive speaking at the Scouting Combine. Bill Belichick typically doesn't. He made a surprise appearance in 2014. That was noted yesterday by Mike Reese of ESPN.com. But all the rest of the teams will have a coach or an executive available to speak to reporters. And there's a little risk there because it's not the usual group of folks who cover you all the time and will only go so far with the questions they ask. It could be anybody who's credentialed to attend the Scouting Combine. So... And, and we're also going to be doing interviews there, too, and we've got some already on the list. So who are the people we want to hear from most at the Scouting Combine? That's today's draft. Chris, you're up first.
2: Well, I mean, can I pick Belichick? Because that's the one I want to hear from yes. the most. I mean, yes. Okay, so I'm going to take him. I mean, how could I not want to hear from Bill Belichick, first off? I mean, New England, you know, first off, you would like to hear some stuff about their team, just where they're going. But, I mean, more importantly, the, what I want to hear from Bill Belichick is – I'd, lo- I'd love to see him answer some of the questions about, you know, the the text gate. Brian Flores, Brian Dayball, that you just wake up from a nap and you just couldn't quite see the screen right. How did you text Flores and think of his Dayball? How did that all go down? I mean, just from that aspect alone, that's who I want to hear from. And honestly, I think it's a lot of BS that the, nobody from the Patriots talks at this. I do. You know, again, I don't know how the NFL doesn't mandate that. I, I don't understand that either. I don't. You know, again, it's the team that's about doing everything right and being accountable and doing all that. Well, the rest of the league is talking. Talk at the damn thing. It it annoys me about the Patriots.
1: Well, the other side of it, though, is if he was available – to speak. I know. He's he not going to say, say anything. anything about the I stuff know. we wanted to talk about anyway. Yeah, he know. would just grumble his way through it. Yep. And and that's a reminder at some point he's going to get an invitation to testify in the Flores lawsuit. And he's not going to be able to say, that's already been addressed. That's already been addressed. We're on to Cincinnati. Yep. That's not going to happen when a lawyer is asking you aggressive questions about what you said to whom and when and who you texted and how you knew and who you know with the Giants and all the other issues that relate to Belichick's involvement in Brian Dayball being hired by the Giants and Belichick accidentally congratulating Brian Flores. That's still, that's something you can't, you can't make that up. You really can't. You can't. If somebody (laughs) would make that up, you'd say you're drunk or you're high or you got poison ivy in your brain. Seriously. I want to hear from your guy, Kyle. I want to hear from Kyle. I hear you. I want to know who his quarterback's going to be. Because, you know, I said a couple of weeks ago, it really wouldn't shock me. If they keep Jimmy Garoppolo, they kind of set that up last year as a possibility. I know Shefty said it last week and everyone lost their minds. We've been saying it. Keeping Garoppolo is an option. If Trey Lance isn't ready, Uh, finding somebody else as a short-term bridge is an option, whether it's Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. They don't have the assets to trade for Aaron Rodgers after what they gave up to get to Lance. But I want to hear from Shanahan about what he's thinking a month removed from the end of the season. Is it Lance? Is it Garoppolo? What are you going to do, and when are you going to do it? And again, he may not say much, but I, I'd want to—I'd want to be able to scrutinize his demeanor. You know, is he—is he doing this? Is he giving the answer? Was yeah. he giving us any tells, anything to let us know he may not be telling the truth? So
2: I—I I want to hear from him. I'm with you there. That would have been my next pick for sure, uh, definitely. There's a lot of interesting things going on there. They've had the John Lynch Amazon thing. They've lost a number of assistant coaches. Shanahan's. I mean. He's had to refill out his staff to a degree. And then, yes, you're right. The quarterback issue is big time. you got contract situations with Nick Bosa and Debo Samuel that are her on the horizon. Yeah, they have a lot of things going on there. And, yeah, Garoppolo, I saw that. You know, Schefter reported that as well. Sure, great. I mean, the 49ers are going to act like they like Garoppolo and say all the right things going on. They want higher picks to tra- when they trade Jimmy Garoppolo. That's going to be interesting too, Yeah. How committed are they? I'm with you. I'd want to see that, too. I'd want to see his, his butt on the grill all right there, and I wish I could ask some of the questions, too, to put them there. All right, my next one, I think I'm going to go to Chris Ballard uh, because I, I find that to be just an intriguing situation. Colts, very close. I think we both look at them and go, damn, they're a player. They're a difference maker, I think, on both sides of the ball away from being a Super Bowl team, and then we got this quarterback issue. And what the hell is going to go on there? And by all accounts, again, it doesn't sound like Wentz is going to be the quarterback in Indianapolis this nope. year. So that's nope. right. I'd love to hear some of those questions and have Ballard answered it because the play on the field. Because he'll be candid. Right. He will be. Exactly. And the play on the field, it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. So that, that's where I want to hear it too, too is just because there's got to be more there that they're, they're disappointed with in Carson Wentz. 27-7, and seven, you know, decent year, all those wasn't the worst. There's got to be more to it too the, to that situation.
1: All right, let's take a break. My second round pick plus round three when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, we'll continue our draft. With the people we want to hear from at the scouting combine. I'm going with Mike Tomlin next because he hired Brian Flores recently And Tomlin, one of the few black coaches in the NFL, I want to hear his thoughts on the claims that Brian Flores has made. And I think Tomlin will have no qualms about speaking his mind about the situation and about how it needs to be resolved going forward. So for those two reasons, and also who's their quarterback going to be? From a football standpoint, it can't be Mason Rudolph, Steelers fans. It can't be. so. I, I definitely want to hear from Tomlin.
2: I hear you there. I, I'm down to like my last pick. I think of McVeigh and Bruce Arians. I'm going to go with Bruce Arians I mean, because of what we talked about today. I'd love to hear what he's got to say about you know Brady to the Dolphins, all those rumors, and hey, you know just the way the year ended in there in Tampa. And what are they going to do? A quarterback. I mean, teams are player quarterbacks are going to want to go to Tampa Bay. I mean, they're a Super Bowl team. They're best team in football. Period.
1: Last one for me as we wind up the show. I want to hear from Vikings GM, Quessia Oh, there he is. Question: Why didn't you hire Jim Harbaugh? Because he doesn't like jerks. Why? That's
2: why I didn't do it. I already why got the answer for him. He likes he's people the that guy. are easy to work with and are not jerks. Hey, Chris, tell your dad I said hi. I will. Speaking of, I work with a jerk. Ivy. I know. Or the poison, or the poison <laughs> See
1: sumac. See ya.